The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's that time on River Radio here in Monaco where we say good morning to Rob Kay. How are you, Rob? Oh, very well, Howard. Good morning. You? You well? Yes, yes. Time flies, doesn't it? Into spring almost. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, I understand the French government this week announced some good news for Britons who own French property. I think we need to know more about that and dig a little deeper into owning French property and the taxes and systems we need to be aware of. But before we discuss property, it's been obviously a week of big headlines, but what's especially caught your eye? Well, I I doubt whether Vladimir Putin listens to Riviera Radio, so I presume everyone listening this morning, like me, were horrified when they saw the pictures and the TV footage of Kiev and the other Ukrainian towns, villages and cities being despicably attacked by the, the Russian military forces this week. Members of the Monaco National Council joined Prince Albert in strongly condemning the invasion of Ukraine and expressed their solidarity and support for the Ukrainian people by lighting up the National Council building, which took on the colours of the Ukrainian flag. In his statement, Prince Albert said, The Principality reaffirms its support of international laws and to the sovereignty, the integrity and the independence of states. Monaco is at the side of the Ukrainian population and human rights. The Principality has adopted and implemented, without delay, procedures for freezing funds and economic sanctions identical to those taken by most European states. France's Finance Minister, Bruno Le Maire, said this week that the French authorities are working to identify, seize um, homes, luxury cars, yachts and other French-based assets held by Russian obligars, targeted for European sanctions, as well as Russians close to Putin, who might be hit by these new penalties. French banks and insurance companies are also combing through millions of accounts to identify Russians on the sanctions list, as well as members of their families and any holding companies they may have set up to hide their identities. The foreign minister, Yves Van Drien, said on French TV, the oligars need to watch out. The EU has a very long list of targets, so if I were an oligar in Russia or in France, I'd be worried. France, and especially the Riviera, has long been a destination for mega-wealthy Russians. They have bought villas by the dozen and berthed their superyachts in its ports and its marinas. Whether French actually does anything, or this is merely posturing a couple of months before the election, will be very interesting to see. In France, every new month for heralds several changes, and March won't be any disappointment. This month's key changes include the potential end to wearing masks and the vaccination pass. Clocks will spring forward at the end of the month. Speed limits have changed in various departments and a sign-up to the university selection platform will close on the 29th of March. From a financial perspective, the UK this week announced its capital gains tax system had generated £12.9 billion in 2021 compared to £10.8 billion the previous year. This sharp increase was credited to the rise in tax on entrepreneurs selling their businesses, higher profits for buy-to-let property investors and a stock market rally. In March 2020, the UK slashed the entrepreneur's relief from 10 million to 1 million, which resulted in business owners paying millions in extra tax. Property investors also benefited from generous profits in the housing market between 2020 and the end of 2021. The UK's FTSE 100 increased by 42%. All these factors contributed to the 20% increase in taxes collected by the UK's capital gains tax system last year. 
Finally, it isn't news, Howard, but apparently one listener has been outraged by the fact that I apparently keep regularly referring to the United Kingdom having left Europe, when it has actually left the European Economic Union. But the country is still located in Europe. Apologies to that gentleman, and I hope he's enjoying his Sunday morning stroll with his dog and listening to us. There we go. Well, I'm sure all the listeners are keen to understand what the French government announced this week. Yeah, it's it's all about French social charges, Howard, which have which have always been a hot potato with foreigners. They frequently prove to be the barrier which stops them from settling in France. This week, the French authorities announced that British pensioners will continue to pay reduced levels of social charges on rental income, capital gains and investment income. This announcement also highlights the importance of obtaining an S1, formerly known as an E121. If you're entitled to a UK state pension, you can apply for an S1. Most of the listeners will know an S1 gets you into the French health system. The reason for this is, if you lived in the UK or you still lived in the UK, you'd be entitled to free NHS healthcare because you've paid national insurance contributions throughout your working life. Now you've retired and chosen to live in France, the UK recognises those contributions and it honours their commitment by paying you to be covered by the French health system. What less people are aware of are the social charge benefits you also receive. Because you've not contributed to the French health system, your membership is effectively funded by the UK. You therefore don't need to pay French social charges, which is a massive bonus for British nationals thinking of spending their retirement living in France. Your French neighbour, who has spent his or her entire life working in France, must still pay a 9.1% social charge on their French pensions, which in essence is funding their retirement health care. This issue is frequently kicked around, a few years ago, the EU ruled that it was illegal for France to charge anyone who hasn't and isn't benefiting from contributing to the French social system. As a result, France was forced into an embarrassing refund of contributions incorrectly charged. To ease the pain of their climb down, France then introduced a new tax, the Prélèvement de Solidaire, which is a tax, not a social charge. In reality, it means S1 holders pay a 7.5% charge on top of the applicable tax charge, rather than tax plus 17.2%. Following the UK's exit from the European Union, the French authorities issued a tax update, which stated UK residents could no longer benefit from reduced social charges because the UK was no longer subject to EU law on the coordination of social security systems, which meant, in France's view... UK residents and S1 holders have lost those valuable benefits. This week's announcement is definitely a backtrack and great news for UK residents who realise a capital gain when they sell a French property. UK residents who own and rent out French properties, but importantly for every British national who lives in France and holds an S1, this ruling confirms they will pay prélèvement de solidaire, not social charges, on dividends, interest and capital gains on stock shares and investments. If I put some numbers to this announcement, it will probably highlight how significant this is. I spoke to a couple on Tuesday who bought a French holiday home back in 2005. They paid €80,000, then spent a further uh, 20000 renovating the property. Their immobilia has advised them to market the property for €360,000. Now, if they get the asking price, they will realise a capital gain of €260,000 
And after the abatement, they will have a capital gains tax liability and social charges to pay on approximately 213000 If they had to pay the usual investment social charge on that gain, that would cost them about €36,600. Following this week's announcement, the application of the Prelevement de Solidaire charge will mean they only pay 16000 a saving of over 20000 Not an insignificant amount in anyone's book, Howard. Yeah. Well, you mentioned abatement. Can you explain what that means with respect to property sales? Yes, of course. Um, this, this is an area where there is a major difference between the UK system and the French system. In very simple terms, in the UK, if you sell a property which is not your principal private residence, you'll have a capital gains tax liability on the difference between the value it was purchased for and the price it is sold for. In France, depending on the number of years you have owned a maison secondaire, you, about, you benefit from a reduction, generally known in France as an abatement. Two separate calculations need to be performed to arrive at the correct amount of tax and social charges that are payable. For the capital gains tax element, after the first six years of ownership, your realised gain is reduced by 6% per year, up to and including year 21, which means that after 21 years of ownership, the value of the gain, which is liable to CGT, has reduced by 96%. In year 22, the last 4% falls away, resulting in a full exemption from the capital gains tax liability after 22 years. Now, the reduction for social charges works in a very similar way. It just takes a little longer. After the first six years, the gain which is liable to social charges begins to reduce at 1.65% per year, up to and including year 21. This means that after 21 years of ownership, 26.4% of the gain is exempt from the social charge liability. In year 22, the reduction is 1.6%. Then between year 23 and year 30, the reduction is 9% a year. Total exemption from social charge is achieved after a full 30 years of ownership, but importantly, the major reduction for social charges are weighted towards the last seven years of ownership. What tax rates do people have to pay? Again, this is, this is something else which, which has the same name, but how it works is very different. In the UK, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, you'll pay 18% capital gains tax when you sell a property and realise a gain. If you're an additional rate taxpayer, or if the realised gains push you into that category, you'll pay 28% CGT. French residents pay a single flat rate of 19%. However... Since January 2013, a surtax can be added. The surtax was introduced as a temporary tax, but as with lots of taxes which are introduced as temporary, the word temporary has now been dropped, and I'm afraid we must accept it's here to stay. Unlike the UK, where the tax rate depends on your income, how much surtax is paid when a French property is sold is entirely dependent on the value of the realised gain. If you realise less than €50,000, you will simply pay the standard 19%. If you realise a gain between 50000 and 100000 the 19% increases to 21%. Then for each subsequent 50000 the rate increases by 1%. Until your gain exceeds €250,000, when you'll pay an additional 6%. If we combine the standard tax rate with the surtax and the investment social charge, if you sell your maison secondaire, which you have not owned for six years, and you don't have an S1, 
and you realise a capital gain in excess of €250,000, your tax and social charge liability will be an eye-watering 42.2%. Lots of listeners still own a UK properties. On the other side of Brexit, does that present additional problems? At the moment, from a, from a property perspective, there isn't anything on the horizon which, uh, which has been adversely affected really by Brexit. But that, that's mainly due to the fact that the UK has probably done everything it can to make sure whatever tax is payable is paid in the UK. Back in 2015, the then Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne, closed the non-residential capital gains tax loophole. So if you're a French resident but you sell a UK property, you will now pay UK capital gains tax. The longer you own a UK property and the more it appreciates in value, the more UK capital gains tax you will pay when you come to sell it. As I described a few minutes ago, this is completely at odds with the French system, which discounts the taxation of property gains the longer you own that property. UK rental, rental income is liable to UK income tax and non-residents still benefit from UK personal allowances. One possibility which has been floated is the removal of those personal allowances for non-UK residents. It's estimated removing personal allowances for non-residents could generate somewhere in the region of £1 billion a year of additional tax revenue for the UK taxman. So that's uh, maybe a good reason to, to consider or reconsider whether a UK rental property or properties are still a worthwhile long-term asset to hold in your overall investment portfolio. When you die, if you hold UK-situated assets, whether it's real estate, securities or cash, those assets are liable to UK inheritance tax. France allows a tax credit for the tax paid in the UK, which ensures tax isn't paid twice. However, your estate or your beneficiaries will pay the highest rate which is applicable, either in the UK or in France. I suppose, apart from losing UK personal allowances and therefore paying much higher rates of income tax on UK real estate income, the biggest post-Brexit issue of owning UK property is you're totally at the mercy of decisions made by a jurisdiction which we all know is now outside the European Economic Union. So from an estate planning and succession tax perspective, is it better to hold property or securities? <laughs> yeah, um, French succession tax is payable on worldwide on, on the worldwide estate of, of every French resident, where, whether she or he dies here or in the UK. The beneficiaries pay succession tax on the amount they receive. There are some exceptions. Transfers to spouses or PAX partners are entirely exempt from tax. Children enjoy a nil-rate band of €100,000. And then there are some smaller allowances for heirs who are more distant in the bloodline, shall we say. It makes very little difference whether the beneficiary receives a lump sum, a property or another asset because succession tax is calculated on the value of their inheritance. There are certain more, uh, certainly more opportunities, shall we say, to reduce your heirs' succession tax bill when they receive a lump sum than there is when you and maybe they inherit a property. Holding investment assets in an assurance fee, for example, is a brilliant way to eliminate or substantially reduce the succession tax your beneficiaries will pay when you die. That is especially the case when your beneficiaries are not of your direct bloodline. Without any planning, those heirs could easily lose 60% of their inheritance to the French taxman. Are these issues you'll be discussing this week at your seminars? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, 15 months on from Brexit, our, our seminars are actually focusing on, on life in France after Brexit. We'll recap what has changed, what you now need to do, and what challenges we all face in the future. This series of seminars have been specifically designed to showcase what Blevins Franks does. Our existing clients know what we do, so we're planning some specific client events for later in the year for them. Lots of things have changed since our last seminars back in the autumn of 2019, but what I hope our seminars will demonstrate is that's not really unusual. Things, for, things for, for a better way of describing them, are constantly changing. Whether those things are taxes, rules, laws, systems, they all continually evolve. And to avoid being disadvantaged, maybe without even knowing it, you and your arrangements need to evolve as the environment and the landscape evolves. So if people are closer to home this week and the listeners would like to attend, how do they book a place? Yes, uh, I won't be putting as many miles on the on the clock on the car this week, Howard. The first seminar is uh, is actually on Tuesday afternoon at uh, Chateau San Rosaline in Lazark. We then move on to the Marriott Hotel, close by to here in Cap Dye on Wednesday morning. Then we finish the week off at the Morata Galu Tennis, I apologise if I haven't said that correctly, Tennis and Hotel Resort in Sofia Antipolis Biar on Friday morning. And the website is the place to book. Well... There are still a few places available for each of the venues, but but if any of the listeners would like to attend, I would urge you to get in touch as soon as possible, as we as we always have a last minute surge and and the availability is limited for at the moment for obvious reasons. So if you'd like to book a place at one of the seminars, or you'd simply like to arrange a call or a conversation with with a Blevins Franks partner, if you live in France, you should call our Valbon office, and the telephone number is zero four nine three zero zero one seven eight zero. That's 0493-001780. If you live in Monaco or visiting our Monaco office is more convenient for you, call our Monaco office. And our number here is 97775574. That's 97775574. Alternatively, as you've just said, Howard, if you prefer, you can find out more about Blevins Franks or book a place at one of this week's seminars by simply visiting our website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. It's nice to be mentioning the seminars again, isn't it? <laughs> um, after I've done four or five weeks of them, Howard, I'll see if I'm still thinking the same way. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll still be we'll still be in touch then. So time will fly. Absolutely. Have a great week. I'll speak to you next week. Thank you very much. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or Riviera at BlevinsFranks.com. Life after Brexit. What has changed for British expatriates in France? The last two years have been challenging with Brexit and the pandemic. Has your financial planning kept up with developments? Book your place at one of the Blevins Franks seminars on the 8th, 9th and 11th of March. They look at Brexit, succession reform in France, taxation, investing and UK pensions. To reserve your Blevins Franks seminar place, call 0493001780 or online at blevinsfranks.com.